If newspapers existed 2,000 years ago, one day you may open it up and find the headline that says, Jesus the Jew is dead. What would have led up to that? Today on The Midweek Move, we're going to talk about that. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move, podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be continuing our conversation on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm joined again with our good friend, Carlos Renfro. Good to be back. Good to have you back, my man. So last week we had some a really great conversation um, dealing with the Last Supper yes. and leading up to, uh, to Jesus' uh uh, eventual arrest and everything like that. And we're doing a little bit of time jump today. Yep. Um, we talked about last week how um, the the Gospels, they're, um, they line up with each other. Mm-hmm. They're not just a single book onto its own. They're meant to be read together. Um, <laughs> I, I, heard, I want to tell you the story real quick. Um, I heard the story about years ago. There was a youth pastor, and there were certain series on, on the Gospels. And they had this young lady who was new to the church. She was new to, to Christianity. She came, and they started off with the book of Matthew. And so they read, like, Matthew 1, and she was super hyped. She was excited. It was intrigued her. The next one is that she came back. She goes, I was so excited. I read all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. She's got one question. He said, okay, cool. What's this one question? She goes, why do they keep killing him? <laughs> like, she, these, these aren't regular uh, book chapters here. <laughs> exactly. She didn't understand what was happening. And so uh, I say that to say, there's a, I want to encourage you guys, you need to check out Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yourselves. Uh, today we're going to be jumping over to the book of Mark and there's a lot of things that took place between Jesus, uh, and the last supper and his arrest and where we are today. And today we're picking up in Mark chapter 15, where Jesus stands before Pilate, who was kind of the ruling authority at the time. Right. And, um, and we're going through this because again, this leads up to, um, his actual death. Now, Sunday is going to be, uh, Easter here for us, and that's where we commemorate or we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. So technically, uh, according to our traditions, this Friday would be the day that we commemorate the event we're about to read today. Yes. So uh, in theory, this is something that you could uh, read or, you know, kind of meditate on, on what we call Good Friday. Good Friday. So let's jump into it. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 15, starting verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin. Now, who were the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin were the Jewish council that mm-hmm. were the the council of the priests in, in this version of the Levitical system. Right. So we have this group of individuals who are they're kind of in charge of everybody. Reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Why is this a big deal that Jesus is acknowledging that he is the the king of the Jews here? Well, it's a big deal acknowledging that he's the king of the Jews, particularly to Pilate. Pilate is the representation of of the Roman governor. He's the governor of the province there in Palestine. Mm -hmm. And they have kind of as a proxy installed Herod as the king of Israel. And, And for them to politically insert Jesus as 
stating himself to be a king of Jews. Now you're in direct opposition to the to the infrastructure set up by by Rome. Right. And this is this is what they're hoping to be the trigger to be able to get rid of Jesus and the and the call for his execution. Exactly. Exactly. Now another interesting aspect about him of saying it is as you say, I am the king of the Jews. Now again, he doesn't say I am the king of the Jews, but there is an argumentation that Jesus never said that he was the Messiah. Right. However, when you look at the prophetic stances of who the Messiah was supposed to be, he would be the king of the Jews. Yes. He was from the line of David, which we have evidence in, in here that shows his lineage back to David. Him saying, I am the king of the Jews, was an affront both to the Roman government, but also to the Sanhedrin. It is the same level as him saying, I am the Christ. Yes. I am the Messiah. And so... This this would have stirred up everybody in the room. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, verse 3. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, are you going to answer? Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. I want to pause right there because this is an interesting thing. Um, there's another passage of scriptures talking about the Messiah, mm-hmm. and how basically he would be silent yep. as a lamb. Yep. He wouldn't make a noise. Right. And um, and we're going to see that played out in multiple places. Um, yeah, a lot in this passage. Exactly, where Jesus is just like, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. Um, I had a friend of mine years ago, and um, her family took her to uh, – her family's from another country, and they took her back to the motherland, if you will, and they were – um, they're going to prepare a lamb to eat. Not, not just, they weren't Jewish. They were just, yeah, we're having lamb tonight. And so her dad took her out to watch them slaughter the lamb. And they took the lamb out, they slit its throat, and they bled the thing out. And he goes, notice how it doesn't struggle. Notice how it doesn't cry. And her father begins to teach her about Jesus in this moment. How, like, this is a thing that the lamb would do. And that's getting us how we are relationship to Jesus as the Passover lamb yes. also. All right, so um, picking up verse 6. Now it was the custom at the feast to uh, release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up again, uh, asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Verse 9. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. He's being kind of... <laughs> yeah, he's kind of being snarky. He knows these guys are up to no good. Right, right. But, you know, he's a political figure. He has to keep the peace, so he's doing what he's got to do. <laughs> exactly. What's interesting is that this is a, the description of Barabbas, though. He was with the insurrectionists. He yeah. was leading a revolt. Yeah, this guy legitimately had had a bone to pick with Rome and Rome legitimately had a bone to pick with him because he's trying to cause a rebellion against Rome among the Jews. Exactly. So this guy legit was causing more, probably more issues for the Jews than Jesus was. Far more. And so he's like, so you want the king? more issues for Rome. Exactly. He's like, so you want the king of the Jews? Verse 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd uh, to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. How crazy is that? How crazy is this? We're going to release Barabbas, a man that committed murders in the uprising. Yes. Not that, like, you know, people like died in the, in the midst of everything. This dude was, his hand was on the sword, whatever it was. Right. 
And this is the guy we're going to release. Part of, probably part of Barabbas's plan. Right. I mean. <laughs> but the indication is here is that these guys weren't caught up in some sort of a scheme. That these, these things were intentional. Mm-hmm. That this rebellion, this uprising, this killing, this violence was a part of what they were intentionally doing. So here we're talking about a man who was obviously and clearly guilty. And everybody in the room knows it. Right. And yet, stir up the crowd for Jesus. Kill an innocent man. Man. So, um, verse 12. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. 13. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. And they shouted all the louder, crucify him. They have no answer. No. They're just like, just just kill him. We don't want to deal with this. And Pilate's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, and not, not that he's like, uh, uh, he's a good guy. Like, he's right. not in Jesus' corner. This is to absolve himself. Right, yeah. He understands the implications of all of this. And he's given them every opportunity right. to, to to not do this. So if if this decision is made, it's not his decision, it's theirs. Right. Now, the question becomes, let's flip this around. Let's say that the, the people are like, no, 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 don't kill Jesus. But he was pushing. What would that have done for him as a political leader at that time frame? Killing Jesus, a man who the crowd was wanting to be innocent. Wow, that's 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 a lot to say. Um, it also would put him at odds with with the Jewish leaders there. Mm-hmm. He he was walking a difficult line, right? Because he has his allegiance to Rome, right. but he knows he has to he has in order to keep peace in that area, mm-hmm. knowing the history of the Jewish people that he had to find some sort of balance to please both sides. So he was he was in a bit of a political pickle there. Right. Because he, he, if he says, you know what, no, nah, there's nothing wrong with this guy, king of Jews, you know, he could also fear the reaction of, of, the, of the Sanhedrin, of the Jewish council, of, right. of their allegiance to him and his political power role. Right. So legitimately, like he, he served at the pleasure of Caesar. He did. And if he were to lose the control, that was the big ordeal with uh, Herod in the in the beginning of of uh, the story about Jesus to begin with. The reason why Herod was so adamant about fighting Jesus was because it would upset his rule. Yes, and he it knew would. that Caesar wouldn't have that; he'd be gone. Yeah. And so him going here is like, are you sure you want me to get rid of this Jesus? Everybody's looking out for themselves here. Exactly. He's making it very clear. I had nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. You. He was looking out for the crowd that would come after this that goes, hey, we liked Jesus. Right. This this was our king. And he's like, talk to us and he not, not only talk to those guys over there, they brought him to me. Exactly. He goes, I was just following, because, again, he's playing to the customs. Yeah. He's like, this was my decision. This was your decision. Yes. So, I mean, just snaky. It is. There's a reason <laughs> that he's there. Exactly. Uh, verse 15. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. All right. This whole flogging thing. What what does it mean to be flogged? That's not something we see necessarily in twenty twenty three America. Yeah, to be flogged in 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 ancient Near East Asia is not um this he's he's not no, this isn't some disgruntled parent in the belt. <laughs> this is this is far right. more serious. Right. Um, this is something that they would they would do to criminals. Normally, a lot of times they would have them released after a flog. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a flogging in those times were were quite serious. Um, the instruments that they used would 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 
horribly crippled and and destroy flesh. This mm-hmm. isn't just this isn't some slap on the wrist, you know, take your licks and go. Right. This isn't this isn't, you know, the in the time that I grew up with the teacher in the paddle in the hallway. <laughs> this is there are many times that that malefactors did not survive the the flogging, the scourging itself. Right. right. So this is something that's very, very, very serious. Yeah. And then on top of that, deliver him to be crucified. Yeah. I, I heard somebody was talking about they're explaining it the the weapon that they used for the flogging. And it was a leather whip with multiple strands to it. And embedded in it were chunks of of metal. Metal. Of of some sort of glass object. Sometimes bone or rock. Bone, rock, sometimes bone left from the last person. Yes. And when they would hit the person, it was like, you know, it was a quick slap and it goes across like you see in the movies. This thing would wrap around the individual. Right. Grip into them. And then the soldier doing it with all of his strength would rip that sucker out. Yeah. Pulling muscle, tissue, whatever it grabbed, everything. People died from bleeding out. Yeah. And this is what Jesus had to go through. Yeah. The innocent man. Innocent man. Not Barabbas, the insurrectionist who murdered people. Yeah. Innocent man. That even the people putting him on trial knew was innocent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, and if those of you watching and listening, you, you kind of feel the room. There's a, there's a heaviness to this conversation. It is, it's it's for us. serious. You know, nobody wants to see an innocent man be punished. And it's not just no one wants to see an innocent man be punished. We all know the ending from the beginning because of where we are. Mm-hmm. We're not just seeing an innocent man punished. We're seeing the son of God punished. Exactly. And willfully be punished. Willfully be punished. Knowing that we are represent. We are we are us as what represents us is Barabbas. It's the person that should have died. It's the person who is obviously and clearly guilty. Right. And here's this innocent man that's dying mm-hmm. in the place of someone who's obviously guilty. And this is a reflection. This is a picture of our relation as obviously guilty sinners born in the sin, mm-hmm. but the innocent son of God coming and taking the punishment that we deserve. Exactly. And this isn't even the final punishment. This is just the first stage of things. Yeah, this is just a step in the process. So what's and what's, fulfillment of prophecy? Exactly. So verse uh, sixteen: the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace. This is the um, paratorium. I can't read the mm-hmm. word apparently, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted a crown of thorns and set it on him, and then began to call out to him hail king of the jews like they've beaten him and now they're mocking him yes i heard someone describe this purple robe was probably a a very itchy very uh harsh fabric coarse robe and um you know you get a cut on your knee and you're like "Mm, i might wear some shorts today Jesus has open wounds yeah. all over his entire body, and now they're shoving a coarse robe on his body. Yep. And mocking him. Mm-hmm. Mocking him, you know, being called the king of the Jews. You know, we're not just talking about ins- injury. We're talking about insult to injury. Right. Exactly. And, of course, then we got the the spikes they're shoving in his head from the yeah. crown of thorns. Like, this man is taking a severe... I don't know what we would call it, not just a punishment, but abuse. Yeah, absolutely. And him understanding 
even before he's in this moment, that everything that he is doing is a part of prophecy, mm-hmm. is a part of fulfilling the, the will of God, mm-hmm. part of p- fulfilling the, the plan of God. And you can go back yourself and you can read in, in, in the 22nd Psalm where a lot of the shadowing of this is going on. Right. And then, like you mentioned before in Isaiah 53, the picture of the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are fulfillment that the Messiah must have come and suffered these things right. in order for the plan of God to be fulfilled in earth and for our redemption to be purchased. Exactly, exactly. Verse 18, and they began to call him out, hell king of the Jews. Verse 19, again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on, his, on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on, put his clothes back on him, and they led him out to crucify him. These guys, I mean, the evil to treat anybody this way. I mean, just anybody. But then the way that they did this, where they're they're bowing to a broken man at yeah. this moment, a humiliated, injured. Probably near death, broken man. Right, man. All it right. just the whole thing just it reeks of not just fallen humanity, but 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 inserted spiritual evil. Yeah, absolutely. Oof. Verse twenty-one: A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus, has passed by on on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Now, I want to pause right here because this is a really interesting thing. Do you know who uh, Simon of Cyrene is? Yeah, Simon of Cyrene, he is up having significance in the early church. Right. So tell us, what do you know about Simon? Well, Simon is from, well, you got to understand during this time, it's this time of the Passover, there are people from from various from various places. In Jewish culture, um, it's spread out all over Judea in different parts of Asia, even North Africa. Right. Um, and Simon has come as a, as a Jew from Cyrene to to worship in the time of the Passover, right? And here he finds himself inserted into a, into a crucifixion, and even even his even we hear about his lineage, even in the early church, that this moment has significance in his family. Exactly, we hear about his family being talked about in the Book of Romans later, uh, and they were they were early missionaries. Yeah, and, and it's interesting this whole conversation about this because, like I said, he's just there to worship. Yeah, Yahweh. He's, he, there's no indication that he knew who Jesus was, Right. that uh, he even thought Jesus was the Messiah. Yet they've grabbed this man, and they said, hey, you're going to carry this criminal's cross. Now, this is the interesting thing, aspect about that. He's there to worship. By picking up this instrument of death yep. and doing all this, he is disqualifying himself from worship. He's now unclean. And... I mean, I can just imagine like he's he's been pulled out of a crowd. He's like, I'm here to worship. He's already had to go through all kinds of stuff to do that. Yeah. You know, they, they talked about the, the scripture about the whitewashed tombs. That that was a thing you did over Passover. They would white, uh, paint over tombs with white paint to clearly identify the markers so that a Jew did not accidentally even step on one and right. become uncleaned. Yep. He's gone great lengths to do what he felt like God wants him to do. And traveled a great distance. Exactly. And now... He's ceremonially unclean. He's not yes. even able to do what he came there to do, but he's carrying the cross of his Savior. And at the moment, he may not even realize it. 
Yeah, and th- and that also points to the difference in the contrast between what was given in the law and what we now have in the form of grace. Mm. Because in the law, this makes you ceremonially unclean, but under the government of grace, it's the blood of Jesus that makes you clean. Right, and he's he's taking part in a foreshadowing of this whole thing being completed mm. and this transition from righteousness through the law and righteousness by faith in the blood of Jesus. And he's participating in this. Right. But in this system, he's unclean. But in our system, he is clean because of the blood of Jesus. Exactly. And then out of that, he has this beautiful lineage of sons and family who are missionaries. Yes. Early leaders in the church. All right. Verse 22. Um, yeah, 22. Yep. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Now, some transla- some uh, other um, versions of the story within the Gospels call it Calvary. Calvary. Um, then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but uh, he did not take it. Now, why is this interesting that he didn't take this this mixture of stuff? Well, this is a this is a this wine mixed with myrrh or 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 or. A type of some place called it, call it a vinegar. Mm. This is part of um. This is part of biblical prophecy that he'd be offered this mm. almost almost as a form of bitterness. Right. That he would be offered this and that he wouldn't partake of it. Right. Now, part of that also there. There's some. I've heard some scholars say that it was also act as a kind of a numbing agent. Yeah, it was also as almost as a, as an oral anesthetic. Right. And basically, Jesus is going. I'm going to take on every yep. bit of this. Yeah. He experienced every bit of and and, and this is from a Christian worldview. This is our punishment. Yeah, and it, and it talks about him, him enduring the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. This is the wrath of God. This whole thing, the crucifixion, all of it is part of the wrath of God against sin. Exactly. And he's and he's not excusing himself from the plan of God. It goes back to even when we talked about Gethsemane. It goes mm-hmm. back today. I'm not excusing myself from the will of God. Right. Exactly. All right. Verse uh, twenty four. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what um, each would get. Now, the crucifixion aspect of things. Um, this is a this is a terrible punishment. Um, depending on where you sit on uh, the way that things worked out, either the nails went through his hands directly, mm-hmm. or they went through a bone separation in the wrist, and then in the feet. Uh, and the idea with the crucifixion was. You had two options. You could endure excruciating pain in your legs and your feet as you press on the nails so that you can breathe. Right. Or you could just not breathe. Right. And you'd have this situation where they would, the criminals would push themselves up and they would pull with their arms to help get that leverage. Yep. To try to get get some air in their lungs. And there gets a point where the pain is so much they just can't. And it's not like, you know, an easy let go. Yeah. They just drop. Yeah. And so now you have tendons being torn, you have muscles being pulled out, yeah. joints you're, being torn. You're pushing yourself up on a spike through your foot to sit right through the nerve of your feet. Exactly. And that's the leverage you have to even erect your body. Exactly. And, I mean, this is excruciating pain. Yeah, this is a terrible way to die. On top of having spikes driven in his head by, by a, yeah. a crown of thorns, on top of open wounds being rubbed down with a dirty wool. Yep. Terrible loss of blood. Being beaten, hit in the head, and here is Jesus, the innocent man. Not the murderer, but the innocent man suffering all this. Yes. And then he looks down and 
They're just auctioning off his stuff. Yeah. They're just down there taking my stuff and just handing it off like like this is a day at the park. Like I offered him this stuff, yeah. and here he is suffering. Now, the, the implication here, they're, all, they're doing his clothes. He's nude. Yeah. Like he's fully exposed yeah. to the world. This is an embarrassing moment yeah. for everybody and anything. This is vulnerability. <laughs> exactly. So, um, man. And this too was prophesied. Exactly. Verse 25. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The uh, written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their hands, their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down off the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among others, among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that he may see and believe, or that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Wow. Like. So now we're at a point where he's totally had his, his head, humanity, physically and representatively turns back completely on him. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that it's not over. It's going to get worse. Exactly. It's going to get worse. You know, it's interesting because the, the insults are thrown at him. Come off the cross. Do this, that. Those aren't things beyond his power. No, not at all. He has the ability to go, you know what? I can I'll get off this cross. I'll stop this right now. I don't have to suffer for you. And yet he still did. But consistent with what he started out his mission to do about the father's business, that mm-hmm. this is a part of the plan of God, the will of the father to suffer and die. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through with it. Exactly. No matter what. You know, uh, I had this interesting thought a while back. You know, the um, here he is. He's, he's up there. And he's... And, Anytime somebody's going through a dramatic thing like this, they they ponder their life, they think about every decision they've ever made to lead to a dramatic moment. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus for a moment thought all the way back to when he was in the wilderness and Satan said, bow to me and I'll give you everything. You know, that was the biggest thing about Satan's temptation about bowing to him. Yeah, It was Satan knew Jesus' plan. Yeah, He knew the plan of salvation. Yeah, absolutely. He knew, and Jesus knew too. He was there in the garden. And he said, you don't have to suffer, Jesus. Just bow to me. And you don't have to suffer. And here Jesus is now. Jesus is now three years removed from that moment. And he's going, I remember when Satan did that. Yeah. He goes, and I'm still going to be here. Yep. I'm still going to take this punishment. That he's choosing to suffer. That he's freely giving up his life for this. Freely. Well within his power not to be. That's what makes it a sacrifice. Well exactly. within his ability to, to not do this. Right. Through sacrifice, he's freely and willfully handing his life over for the good of all of us. Man. All right, verse 33. The sixth hour darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. I can't say this word, I apologize. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of of them standing near heard the saying, heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. 
one man ran, filled with a sponge and wine vinegar, put it uh, and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Uh, take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple had been torn from uh, in two, from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of, of Jesus heard his cry and saw that he had died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and, and Joseph and, Sal- and Salmo. In Galilee, these women had followed him and carried uh, for his needs, cared for his needs. Many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It's a lot that just took place there. It's a whole lot that took place there. You know what I like in the contrast here? You see that even up until his, even up until his death, even after at twelve noon, mm-hmm. darkness falls on the on the over everything, mm-hmm. and by by three o'clock, you know he's he's giving up the ghost and he's dying. Right. These guys are still mocking him. Yeah, they're still picking at him, and seeing if Elijah is going to save him. But also in contrast, we see the the commitment of the ladies that followed him. Yeah, and in the, in this. The honor that was that was displayed from these women that they were there and they, they administered to Jesus throughout his ministry. And here they are in his final hour as the plan of God comes to culmination. Right. And there's a there's a contrast there. Yeah. Absolutely. Now one of the things that was not said in this passage that is said in another translation is that amid the mocking, before Jesus gave up the spirit, he said, Father, forgive them. Yes. They know not what they do. He offered forgiveness because he understands this whole thing is spiritual. It's part of the plan of the Father. But even in this, even in their guilt, Jesus still wants to offer redemption. Exactly. In this moment, Jesus' concern still was not about himself, but the people before him. Yeah. The people who were, like, they were guilty of immense darkness. Yes, and even in other, even as you go and read this account in the book of John, he's he's handling business. He's making sure his mom's taken care yeah. of. He's making sure that people know what to do after this moment. Exactly. And his heart and his mind is still on the people that he loves. Right. And that's, again, seeing all that take place, that's one of the reasons why that centurion said, surely this man was the son of God. Yes. They saw who Jesus was through his actions. Through his suffering. Exactly. It's no wonder that Simon of Cyrene became a man of God, and his sons did too. Because That's, he stood there. He watched Jesus do this. That says a lot. You know, what What? What does the world see in our suffering? Exactly. Do they see faithfulness? Do they see commitment to the plan of the Father? Mm. And that is a that's that's one of the takeaways from this example is, is even in difficulty, even in suffering, what what does what does the world see? Exactly. Where do you lean into? Yes. So wrapping up this chapter, verse 42. It was the preparation day, that is, the day before the, the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who he who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him 
if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph mm-hmm. bought some linens, linen cloth, took up the body, wrapped it in, in the linen, and placed it in the tomb, cut out of the rock. Then he rolled the stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of, jo- of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Now, this whole aspect of him being buried, this is part of the propheticness of us. This is also in Isaiah 53, the prophetic. Exactly. And this burial, it's not a burial of a criminal. No. This is the burial of a, of a noble person. Of a nobleman. This is a rich man's tomb. Um, Joseph Armour there had influence. He had influence with a religious leader at the time. Apparently, he was devout and understood the prophecies and the mm-hmm. scriptures. He was waiting for the kingdom, and they... They bury him with the honor that he didn't die with. Right. Absolutely. This is who Jesus was. He was a man that took, who was murdered. He was innocent. He suffered greatly for us. And yet he had a burial that was honoring. Yes. So, and like so many things, the plan of the enemy. Right. That, that, that the wicked one would try to use for, for evil. God had had an idea and had a plan for something that was powerful and redemptive and that was good out of it. Right. And that's a beautiful thing is that even in a dark, dark world that that the eyes of God are constantly turned toward redemption and turning these things, even in this sin fallen world, to a into a place where he can use it for the good of reuniting his people to himself. Exactly. God is always about reuniting his people to himself. Word. There's a pa- I cannot find the passage. There's a passage in Corinthians, and um, it describes Jesus' uh, death, and it says that God took He who knew no sin to be sin. Yeah, that He for, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's it, and that's what we just read. Yes, that was Jesus taking on that stuff, and so um, for our, our takeaway, my takeaway for you guys, Carlos may have something better for you, <laughs> is this. We just read some very heavy things, and we need you to understand that this was part of the process of salvation. We, you know, we, in the modern world, we, the things are very clean. They're very, you know, oh, you just accept Jesus in your heart. It's fine. Understand that this was something he did for you because he loves you. This is something he chose to walk out. He had the opportunity to walk away from this, and yet he suffered immense things so that you could have the opportunity to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He took on our wrath, the wrath of God. He took our punishment. The punishment he took was what we should have suffered for our sins against God. And yet he did that for everybody. And so my encouragement for you guys listening, if, you know, um, perhaps you, you're just interested in Christianity, you're, you're pondering it, maybe you're listening to this at the, some friends or, you know, maybe there's a, a Bible study going on. This was for you. Yeah. And it's to offer you the grace so that you don't have to suffer. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to experience these things. And so we want to invite you, if, if you are listening all this way through and you're feeling that tug and you, you want to you repent of your sins, turn to Jesus, honoring that sacrifice he made for you, it's there. It's available for you. Salvation is, it's, there's nothing you have to do. You don't have to 
to turn around three times. There's no magic words. You simply say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And it's done now. Are there steps past that? Yes. There's accountability. There's discipleship. There's learning to walk this out. Absolutely. There's a process of sanctification. But the moment is now for you. We want you to know that we love you and care about you. And if we can pray with you, let us know. Reach out to us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. And let us uh, encourage you. Let us pray with you. Help you take your next step. You can reach us on our Facebook page. Just look for Midweek Move. Leave a comment on YouTube. This is why we do this. is to help you take your next step. But that starts with one step. And that's knowing Jesus. Carlos, you got anything? Man, you said it beautifully, brother. All right, cool beans. Well, guys, next week we're going to be picking up the conversation with the resurrection of Jesus. Have a great Easter. Thank you.